It's the Cedric Bailey Radio Show. Well, hello, and thank you so much for being with me today. My name is Cedric Bailey, and today we are so excited to share with you uh, something that I've always wanted to talk about, and that is being from Oklahoma, dealing with uh, descendants of the Chickasaw and the Choctaw Nation. Now, we always hear the question, well, when you ask an African-American person where they're from, I always tease my friends from California, I always say to them, well, you know you got family from Louisiana, Texas, or Oklahoma, and they say, yeah, I do. And then when the question is asked, are they Native American or Indian, they'll say yes, but the question is asked, which tribe or which nation? And I have with me today uh, a, a woman that I've had a chance to work with, and she is a doctor, and she is from Carter County in Oklahoma. Her name is Dorsine Spigner Littles. God bless you, Dr. Littles. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing great, and I'm so excited to um, have you with me on the show. Uh, I do know about your family, the Spigners, because growing up as a kid, I, I used to ask my dad, well, who owned this building? And he said, well, that that was a hotel. And they would say to me, you mean Ardmore and the African-American side had a hotel? And, and he said, yes, the Spigner family. So let's talk about your family and a little bit about uh, your growing up in Carter County. Yes, I was born in Ardmore. Uh, my parents are both Carter County um, residents, um, my uh, mother grew up in a in a small area called Newport, Oklahoma, which is about 15 miles west of Ardmore. My dad grew up in in um, Ardmore, uh, but had roots in Tatum's, Oklahoma. And back in the early 1900s, his parents migrated from East Texas to Tatum's, and they were one of the founding families of Tatum's, Oklahoma, along with. Um, many other uh, black people who wanted to form an all-black town. So Tatum's is the southwesternly, southwesternly most um, far south and west of any of the all-black towns in Oklahoma out of the 50 all-black towns originally. So um, most of the all-black towns were located in eastern Oklahoma. But... Uh, um, Tatum's was part of the settlement and included many of the freedmen from the Chickasaw and the Choctaw tribes. I got you. Now, yes, and I, I heard like we definitely, for anybody in Oklahoma, you know about Bowley, and then I guess there was a place called Taft. Is that was one of the other cities as well? Oh, there was Redbird, Taft, um, uh, just uh, so many uh Tuttle, Tuttle, or, or Tallahassee. Yes. Uh, so there, there were uh, many, many all-black towns. Um, some of them vanished pretty quickly, but uh, in all, there were over twenty black towns that thrived through the fifties and sixties. Wow. Amazing. Now, we want to let everybody know uh, during this conversation that there is going to be a meeting that's going to be held on Saturday, January the 18th. And uh, tell us about the meeting that's going to be taking place, because I believe it's the third meeting, and you guys have organized a group of individuals, and you're going to be meeting in Tatum's at the municipal building. Is that correct? That is correct, at the, at the Tatum's municipal building. Uh, the meeting was originally scheduled <clears throat> for Jehovah Baptist Church, but uh, they had a previous engagement. 
uh, with the building, so we had to return to the Tatum's Municipal Building. And as you mentioned, this is the third meeting. We had an organizational meeting uh, back in, in October of this year, and we had an astounding turnout. We had over 180 people that that um, sh- that uh, came to the meeting to the initial meeting, and this was almost by um, just through the internet, through uh, Facebook. We didn't have a, a real advertisement organ, so we used Facebook. We used. Uh, I graduated from a small high school called Graham High School, which is between Tatum's. And and uh, Newport and uh, Ardmore, mm-hmm. and so Tatum's has its own Facebook page. So I put put information on on ta- on the uh, Graham uh, Facebook page and asked people to spread the word by word of mouth, mm-hmm. and also and also sent notices to the churches. And as I said, the initial meeting we had 180 people there, which was astounding. Wow! And the meeting was was just an organizational meeting. Because we have been uh, discussing among ourselves, I think primarily the families and different people, you know, why certain segments of our family and population uh, get benefits from uh, various uh, of the five civilized tribes and why certain other segments of the family do not get benefits. And so we wanted to look into the historical aspect of that and to come to some type of understanding whether we uh, could um, discuss um, with with each other and, and in the future have some talks with the uh, different tribal nations yes. about the discrepancies and, and how certain members of the families uh, receive benefits and other members don't. So that took an interesting turn of looking at the Antebellum South and how they defined um, uh, the different offsprings of the of the uh, of the families who were were mixed or biracial, mm-hmm. and so so this came into uh, this came into focus to let us know why uh, certain members of the family were benefiting from tribal benefits and certain others were not. Yes. So, and the initial, the initial meeting was just to have an organizational meeting and to find out if there was an interest in going from that point. I got you. So this, uh, for those who can't make it, you do have a number or so? Do you have a conference line too as well? Yes. Uh, well, right now, uh, the last organizational meeting we had in November, we decided to divide up into committees to do different types of research. And so the so the each committee uh, that will be looking into different um, aspects of pursuing this uh, goal of trying to get tribal membership um, will be uh, will each have a conference number. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the committee has a meeting, everyone who is on that committee can call in, and we are soliciting members to be on the different committees. Gotcha. So we don't we don't have a specific number right now, but each committee will have a have a specific number by Saturday. Good, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that because that's good information. I want to go back. Uh, you know, my dad had told me about this lady by the name of Marilyn Van, who I had a chance to speak to her uh, on the conference before. 
Uh, could you tell us about Marilyn Van? And then also we want to ask you about Mr. Uh, Graham, Mr. Ron Graham, too, as well, who was previously at the meeting. Uh, but let's talk about Marilyn and her role, what she does throughout the state of Oklahoma. And uh, Marilyn Van is a warrior. And, uh, she has been, been pursuing the benefits for the members of the Cherokee Nation for over 20 years and has spent a, a personal fortune toward pursuing this goal. And so she has a organization that she originated called the um, Descendants of the Five Civilized Tribes. So her organization represents all descendants from all five of the tribes, the Cherokee, the Chickasaw, the Choctaw, the Seminole, and the Creek. And the first lawsuit that they signed was with the Cherokee. Uh, the, uh, the first, uh, the first uh, investigation that she made mm -hmm. was against the Cherokee because the Cherokee had, had at one time uh, allowed all the freedmen to be a part of the tribe, and then they then they uh, disenfranchised them, so to speak. So they put a considerable number of the freedmen off the off the uh, off the uh, tribal role. So she has been pursuing this this goal of getting uh, people back on the rolls that were that were disenfranchised, and getting the people that had never been on the rolls but were uh, due to be on the rolls. She put she uh, pursued the goal. And so they won their case last year. Yes. So investigating, we came across some interesting information. Uh, as I mentioned to you yesterday, Oklahoma has one of the most fascinating histories of any state in the Union. Um, when the five so-called civilized tribes were relocated from the South, from South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, um, they were relocated because uh, the white plantation owners wanted their land, which was very rich and uh, uh, very fertile. Mm -hmm. So they relocated them to the state of Oklahoma, uh, not the state, but the territory yes. of Oklahoma. And uh, the, the territory already had tribes here. Yes. But those tribes were kind of pushed aside in the so-called five civilized tribes were placed here, and um, along with bringing the tribes, the tribes had practiced the same type of uh, uh, land ownership in the South that the white plantation owners had. So they had their own slaves. Yes. So they brought their slaves with them wow. uh, to Oklahoma. And um, so they settled here. The, the uh, slavery system in Oklahoma under the Indians was a little different in the slavery system in in uh, the South. Well, let me the let me ask, let me ask you a question on that because when you said they brought their own slaves for a young person that's like me or someone younger, if they were Indians and they had slaves, were those slaves African Americans, Doctor Little? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yes, they, they uh, each each slave was uh, African American or whether well, they were black or they were biracial. They wow. were part of the tribe, but they were also uh, um, a a person who had uh, black blood, uh, African blood. Wow! And uh, the, when they when they brought their uh, slaves with them, the one benefit 
that the slaves had here in Oklahoma that they didn't, that the slaves in the South that was owned by the white plantation owners is that they were not sold. Mm-hmm. They, uh, so they had kind of security in being in the, uh, being uh, intact with their families. Well, what part, was, what part of the territory was it? Because we had Indian territory and we had Oklahoma territory. Oklahoma territory. And, and so, you know, kind of explain to me how that went. And where were they at? Because I heard about the uh, Sac and Fox tribe, the Potomani, Potawatomi tribe. That's all near Shawnee. Could you kind of talk about that area where they were based at? They were over the Cherokee, were, of course, around Tahlequah and, and Muskogee. Uh, the uh, Choctaw were around Durant and and um, Idabel. The Chickasaw was in Carter County, uh, which I, I think you said your dad said used to be named Pickens County. Yep. Uh, the Creek were also in eastern part of Oklahoma. They shared uh, part of the territory where the Cherokee were. They were around Okmulgee in that area. Mm-hmm. And the Seminole were around Shawnee and Seminole area. Yes, yes. north of Right. So so they had them divided up. The western part of the territory uh, of Oklahoma belonged to what was called Plains Indians. Mm-hmm. And that's the Kiowa and Arapaho. Um, but the Sac and Fox were also up around Ponca City. And um, so there, there were, there were uh, already tribes here. And uh, they didn't exactly displace those tribes, uh, but they... Um, the, the government, the U.S. government forced those tribes to accept them. So there was some tension between the different tribes and the uh, five civilized tribes. Wow. That is a lot going on. Now, I, I think oh. I read a report now that the Cherokee Nation has built a multi big hospital up there, and they're just, and if you're, I mean, if you have your what, CDI card, you can go in there and they'll take care of you. Is that right? Oh, most of the tribes have their own medical facilities. Um, the Kiowa and Arapaho and Cheyenne, um, there's an Indian hospital in, in um, uh, Lawton. So tribal members from all over the United States come to that hospital, and they don't turn any Indian away. Uh, the Cherokee and the Chickasaw, the Chickasaw has has medical facility in, um, in um, Ada, I yes, believe it's an Ada, and uh, and the Cherokee have their own facility, uh, but almost every tribe in the state of Oklahoma, the ones that are operating casinos and have um, become wealthy, they all have um, free health clinics for members of their tribes. And uh, I believe, and um, I'm not sure about this, but I believe that if you have a CBID card, you can go to any of the hospitals. Uh, uh, whether you are Creek or or Seminole or Choctaw or whatever, but uh, I do know that a lot of people that uh, have the CBID card that are Chickasaw uh, go to the hospital in in Ada. Yes, and they have and, a, they have a clinic I, in Ardmore too as well that they can go to as well. Yes, uh, yes, they have they have localized uh, clinics as well. Yes. And here in Oklahoma City, uh, there are tribes uh, around Hara and other areas like that that operate uh, clinics for their for their tribes. So, they're, the tribes are doing some excellent work of trying to improve the health of, of their uh, of their of their 
citizens. Wow. So it's, it's, it's a very commendable thing to try to improve the health because uh, many of the tribes have been ne- neglected over the years, and wow. they have been treated badly by the government. Wow. Um, and and uh, so now they're getting some type of, uh, because they have, uh, they have uh, the casinos and they also have the tobacco shops, and so they have a big revenue stream Yes. Coming into many of the other uh, the other tribes, and so because they are communal people, their first priority is to take care of their of own. the members of their yes. of their community. Wow, and I commend them uh, for what they do on that. I've seen a lot being here in Ardmore. But listen, uh, Doctor uh, Littles, I've got to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. When we come back, we want to talk about the uh, the uh, talking points that Mr. Ron Graham. Uh, had shared with us, and then when we want to remind everybody about the meeting that's going to be taking place, and that is going to be on this Saturday at 12 noon to 2 p.m. at the Tatum's Municipal Building. We got all that information. We're talking with Dr. Dor- Dorsine Spigner-Littles, and we'll be right back with more, so keep it right here. Keeps coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting RELAX to 84888. That's keyword R-E-L-I-X to 84888. Data rates may apply. This is Jesse's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. As a nurse, not making it to work was not an option. But driving through the snow with my wiper blades struggling, I just didn't feel safe. So I pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts, and before I knew it, an employee was offering to install the wiper blades on my car. I got to stay out of the snow for a moment, and I still made it to work on time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company helps you customize your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Unlike things you paid for you didn't need, like that much-needed 125-inch flat-screen TV. It's hurting my eyes a lot. For your 100-square-foot bedroom. My neck isn't so much stiff as it's completely stuck. With Liberty Mutual, get customized home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Uh Uh-oh, I'm seeing color splotches. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. It's the Cedric Bailey Radio Show. And welcome back. I'm Cedric Bailey. Thank you so much for being with us. Our guest today is Dr. Dorsine Spigner-Littles. She is, of course, Professor Emeritus, Department of Human Relations of the University of Oklahoma. And you recently received an honor. Tell us about the honor you received, Dr. Littles. I was uh, on November the 4th of 2019. I was inducted into the Oklahoma Higher Education Hall of Fame, which was... uh, uh, an honor that was an unexpected honor. I was I was uh, not expecting to be nominated for that, so it came as quite a surprise. But I was thrilled 
and very humbled by the uh, by uh, being uh, placed in such an august uh, group. Wow! So on the on the time that I was inducted, there were eight people being inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame, and um, out of the eight people that were inducted, there was only one African American and one uh, woman, mm. and I fulfilled both of those categories. Wow! So the other so the other seven people were male, and um, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, Chief Antony was honoree also for his community work and his uh, philanthropy. Yes. And uh, toward um, higher education. Wow. So he was also inducted into the Higher Education Hall of Fame with me. Wow. And, well, kudos to uh, go out to uh, the uh, the Chickasaw governor. Um, I remember him when I was in East Central and going to school in the 80s. He was a lieutenant governor at that time, and he has been holding it down for the Chickasaw Nation and for a very, very long time. So uh, kudos to him. But I want to ask you a question. If, if you went to school at Graham, um, where were blacks going to school in Carter County at that time period? Because I heard about Berwyn out near Gene Autry. But where did they go if you were west in Carter County in the Tatum and the uh, Graham and Lone Grove area? Where did you go to school if you didn't go to Ardmore Douglas? But Tatum's always had a, a elementary and a high school because they had a significant population mm-hmm. uh, up up through uh, the modern times, uh, which was the seventies and eighties. Uh, so Tatum's had uh, saw many of the students from from uh, Milo, particularly high school, did travel to Tatum's to uh, to go to finish high school back in the early days of the thirties and forties. But uh, in the fifties. In the Milo area, a school was formed called Central High School, uh, Central Unified School. And Central was an elementary school as well as high school. And it drew students from Springer, from uh, Ginatri, from Milo, from uh, an area outside of Long Road called Cheek. Uh, so all of the black people in a certain vicinity of Carter County all went to Central. Thus, they named the school Central. And so it had, it was a, a thriving school. It had uh, uh, agriculture and, and um, vocational classes and, and all types of, um, types of uh, classes. It was a, a very beautiful building, uh, a modern building. So in inter- when integration came after the Brown versus Board of Education, then the states had to start integrating their schools. And Central was one of the first, um, I guess you would call casualties, because um, students were being bused from near and far in Carter County, like I said, from Springer and Chinatri. And even students were coming from out of out of the county, coming to um, uh, Carter County to attend Central, as well as Ardmore Douglas and other schools. So we had we had uh, students from eastern, from the eastern part of Oklahoma coming into uh, Central uh, because they had family members in the area, so they lived uh, lived with their family members. Wow. But after after Brown versus Board of Education, uh, the students that lived in Springer were then to attend the elementary and high school in Springer that was at the time white. So integration began. The students that lived in Chinatri, they did the same thing. They had to attend the elementary school in, uh, in high school in Chinatri. And the people that lived in 
in uh, near Central in Woodford, Newport, and um, Milo, uh, they had to go to Central to the eighth grade. So mm-hmm. Central became an elementary school, and then uh, the high school, uh, grade nine through twelve, went to Graham. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I came of age to go to high school, I went to Graham High School, and I spent four years at, at Graham High School yes. and graduated in, in 1966. You know, when I was uh, covering the uh, Ardmore Douglas reunion, I remember reading something. The Indians had their own schools, too. And I know when we was growing up, we had, well, they had Carter Seminary. So how was it for the Indians during that time period, Dr. Lewis? Uh, they had a choice. They could go to the Carter Seminary, and they had other schools around the, around the state that they, they could attend. And back in the territorial days and uh, early days, uh, the Indians uh, also uh, allowed black students to go to the Indian schools. Mm-hmm. So there, uh, there, were, there were Indian schools. Uh, Tallahassee was one of the first schools that, that taught black, black students to read. So it was not against the law for blacks to learn how to read like it was in the antebellum South. Wow. And uh, uh, so many of the, uh, back in the early days, uh, the pre, in the, in the early part of the 20th century and the late, latter part of the 19th century, uh, the schools were integrated because if you had a school, uh, whoever was in that area could go to that school, whether you were white, black, or Indian. Yes. So a lot of the, a lot of the schools were were integrated early on, and it wasn't a forcible integration. Gotcha. It was voluntary. All right. Well, listen, folks, uh, we only just got a few more minutes left. Our guest today is Dr. Dorsey Spigner-Littles. We're talking about uh, our Indian heritage, our African-American heritage. And on this Saturday, uh, January the 18th at 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., there will be a like a town hall meeting. It's Freedom Descendants of the Chickasaw and Choctaw Nation. Uh, This is their third meeting, and it'll be from 12 to 2. So I want to say hello to the Strategic Planning Committee members, the Fundraising Committee, the Genealogical Committee, the Public Relations Committee, the Financial Audit Committee, and also to my good friend Ron Johnson, who uh, serves on the Legal Committee. So, Ron, we're going to have you on the show real soon. But I I want to close out by talking about uh, the information because you had Mr. Graham and Mr. Uh, Graham had a chance to uh, talk. Ron, Ron Graham talked about how to apply for your your uh, citizenship to uh, your application. So, can you talk about that a little bit as we close out on this? Right. <clears throat> a lot of people don't know the process of how to apply for a CBID card, and uh, this is a card that you have to have in order to receive any type of benefits from any of the, of the Indian uh, tribes. Um, and and uh, you can't say that you've been discriminated against if you have never applied for the card. So Ron uh, gave um, the talking points uh, that he gave at the last meeting was process. So the first thing to do is to apply for citizenship. And uh, to apply for citizenship, you need your birth certificate, you need your parents' birth certificate, and you need to be able to locate a person in your family, a direct uh, person in your family that was on the DOS commission. Mm-hmm. And we haven't talked about that, uh, Cedric, and that's a very important element. Uh, back when the, when the Indians were um, ordered to, to divide up their land, uh, as I mentioned, 
Indian land uh, was communal at one time, and they didn't believe in private ownership. Everybody owned the land, uh, whatever land had been designated for them uh, by the federal government. So then the government, uh, because the Europeans were coming to America and were land hungry and were forcing the government to give them land, free land, the government was once again breaking the treaties that they had with the tribes and telling the tribes that they had to divide up the communal land that they held, which was millions of acres per tribe. So to in order to get uh, your land allotment, uh, they set up what was called the Dawes Commission. And the Dawes Commission would issue out how much land that, that each person would get. And because of the question of tribal citizenship, uh, the, the division of land was unequal based upon whether you were a, a, a tribal member by blood or a freedman. And, and so if you were a tribal member by blood, you got more land. Um, in, most, in some cases, each member of the family got 360 acres. Wow. So when the, land, when the land was divided up, some families controlled over 1,000 acres because they had that many members in their family, and each member of the family got 360 acres. If you were a freedman uh, and you were not on the tribal road by blood, then you would get anywhere from 40 acres to maybe uh, 160 acres, but most often it was 40 acres. So every member of the tribe was supposed to get 40 acres. And I think I should mention also that the treaties were very important. The government treated uh, the, 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 each of the tribes, the five civilized tribes, as sovereign nations. And if you were a sovereign nation, considered a sovereign nation, then you had equal status with the federal government. So it was a government-to-government interaction. Uh, when the Civil War broke out, um, many of the tribes were split uh, in their loyalty, some wanted to go with the Union and some went with the, um, with the South. Wow. A lot of them went with the South because they were sympathizers with the Southern cause because they owned slaves mm. and they wanted to keep their slaves. Yeah. So, um, so many of the tribes sent battalions or soldiers to fight in the Confederacy, fight for the Confederacy against the U.S. government. So when the treaty... When the, when the South surrendered, the sovereign nations didn't surrender at the same time that the South uh, surrendered. Uh, oh, that, was the elite eight, went, that was in the 1860s? Is that right? 64, 65? 1865. But the tribes didn't surrender. They didn't. So then, so the tribes, uh, the government had to have each of the tribes to surrender and sign a treaty. Mm-hmm. So uh, what is what is not generally known, and when I was doing my research, I was shocked to realize that the Civil War didn't end in 1865. It ended in 1866. Wow! In June of 1866, because the U.S. government had to sign a treaty with each of the five tribes for the war to cease between the, the tribes and the government. You know, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. And uh, because the the tribes had chosen to be on the losing side, the Confederacy, 
they lost some of their sovereignty. So that meant that the government didn't feel that they were equal with them anymore. And so they could dictate the terms of the treaty. But each tribe had a different treaty with the government. For example, the Cherokee that we mentioned that Maryland Band has uh, been fighting and had a lawsuit against for over 20 or 30 years, they signed a treaty saying that when they surrendered, that they would give each of their freedmen, each of their slaves would have full membership in the tribe with full rights. So they signed that treaty. And so that's the basis for many of the lawsuits that's filed against the tribes is to treat the, the language in the treaty. The Chickasaw never signed that type of an agreement. Wow. They did not agree that every freedman would have full citizenship. Wow. However... What is not known is that the government um, was given, uh, the government had funding. They gave so many millions of dollars, many, many millions of dollars to each tribe, and the tribes were supposed to distribute uh, that money to the freedmen or the slaves to give them a, a fresh start, so to speak, so that they would have land and they would have money to um, to be productive in their land and to buy the things they needed, you know, to, to maintain themselves. Wow. And so this is also a point of contention, is that many of the freedmen did not get any money. Yeah, my dad had so, told me about that. You know, and, and our kids are asking the question, well, if we're freedmen, why can't we get it? So the answer is, is what now, Dr. Lewis? <laughs> the answer is that come to the meeting. Okay, and I got. We are you. going to have. <laughs> I like the answer that. is that to, to come to the meeting. That is a that is our our discussion and that is uh, the focus. Uh, we're looking into how can we get uh, reparation compensation. How can we become members of the tribe with equal rights? We're not asking for anything that's not due to us. Yeah. This is histor This is historical. It's in the treaties. Wow. Uh, and. Um, there was there were agreements that were made and that were not fulfilled. I got you. And so so we're asking to for the promises that were made in the past to be fulfilled in the current wow. uh, day and time. Well, listen. And I, that's what we're again the meeting. Oh, and, uh, of, uh, go ahead. Back to uh, Ryan Graham. If you think you have tribal uh, blood or have have ancestors who were tribal members. Um, get your birth certificate. Get their birth. Get your parents' and grandparents' birth certificate, and trace it. Trace uh, someone in your family back to someone who was on the Dawes Commission. Mm -hmm. There's an application online for your um, for your um, CBID card. You you send that application to the Bureau of Indian Affairs. They're the only ones that can can uh, determine whether you are a member of the tribe or not. Where are they located? And uh, uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs is in Washington D.C. Okay. And, but uh, you can go online and and get the travel, uh, get the uh, application, and, and start the process. I got you. Know, you. Because you're going to have to you're going to have to do some lengthy research if you don't know your history. Yes. And it's very important. That's why we have a genealogy committee. We got you. It's because the gene genealogy committee is going to help each person trace their bloodline. Gotcha. Back to some 
And uh, if you don't have a member on the Dodge roll now, you don't qualify. Wow. And I've I, I had many people tell me, my grandmother was full-blood Indian. And I said, well, where did she live? Uh, she lived in Tennessee. I said, did she ever come to Oklahoma? No. I said, well, I'm sorry. You are not on the DOS commission. So even though you have your Indian, you have Indian blood, you are, uh, you are not a part of that tribe because your ancestor never left the South. Well, let me, let me, give, this, let me give this thought right quick because I want to do this on the next interview we have. I got to talk about this, and I appreciate everything, but it's so much to say. But, you know, we, we definitely got to talk about Jesse McGee, and I'd like to get maybe a couple of his family members, and, and you know that story, because uh, his land was just below the Arbuckle Mountains, and, and it's, just, it's just a large family, and it's amazing. And he fought for his family to get theirs, and, and it all makes sense now, because they did the land run in April 22nd of 1889, uh, Oklahoma didn't come a state till 1907, so there was a lot of stuff that was going on before Oklahoma had to come a state. Is that correct? Right, and uh, you have to understand. Uh, now, just me, I believe many of the McGee family are on the tribal rolls, but there were other after the Civil War ended, and starting in the 1880s, black people were coming from the south by the droves. Because they had heard that there was free land here, and they, they, they had a measure of freedom here that they didn't have in the South. So there was tension between what was called the state Negroes and the and the uh, freedmen, mm -hmm. because they had a different culture. Mm -hmm. The freedmen uh, had, had been members of the tribe and had a certain degree of freedom that the slaves and the former slaves from the South didn't have. And so because of the difference in, in how they had been treated— there was a difference in the culture, so there was a lot of tension between all of the black people that was coming from the South after the war. And they do not have members of the family that are associated with the Dawes Commission. So, again, there's a, there's a, and a lot of African Americans, a lot of African people would uh, participate in the land run, so they got land because they were in the land run, just like everybody else, the, the Europeans who were running in the land. So yeah. you, you have all of these divisions and different histories of the state of Oklahoma. Like I said, the state of Oklahoma has one of the richest, most interesting histories. We had cowboys. We had outlaws. We had yeah. entrepreneurs. We had black people who became rich because of oil. They went to Tulsa. Uh, we yep. had, uh, yeah, we had Tulsa. We had, but we had, we had Sarah Rector, who was the richest black girl in America at the age of 12. Wow. Because of... Because of her parents. Well, we're going to have to talk uh, about it, this all in the month of February for Black History Month. So I can't <laughs> wait. And then also, uh, for people that don't know, uh, Guthrie was the was the place that was running things. It wasn't Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City didn't get established until 1889 after the land run. So Guthrie was the main place during that time period, and with Langston being right down the road. We, we got to bring you back. So, you know, and I just want to say thank you. How can people uh, follow you and stay in contact with you? Uh, I have an email address, D is in Dorothy, S is in Sam, Littles, L-I-T-T-L-E-S, at O-U dot E-D-U. Right. And uh, that's all lowercase, D-S Littles at O-U dot E-D-U. And if you will send me your email address whenever we have meetings or um, 
uh, or any type of contact with the different committees, we will send the information to you. Gotcha. And also, uh, I'm appreciative to you, Cedric Bailey, for giving me this audience to talk to because we are trying to get the word out to as many people as possible. Yes. Um, about the meeting and, and to become a part of, of this because we need workers. We need people who will do research with us and, yes. and who, will, who will help in the, in the genealogy research and, and uh, just help people to um, maneuver through the process because but it's, it's worth it. Amen. Uh, yes, it to, is. Um, just, just, just to know your roots, to understand how brave your ancestors were how hardy they were, and how they envisioned the future for you. When, uh, when I had the first meeting, um, I told the group, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for our children and our grandchildren. Yes, because they're, so they, they're not going to be able to so find it anywhere they else. They're not going to They're gonna find it. And, and, and if anybody's listening, you got any pictures, anything from back during that time period, we definitely... We'd like for you to share them with us. We don't want to keep them. There's a way we can make a copy. We'll give you credit. And we're not doing this for the money. We're doing this for the love. And I agree with you 100%. So remember, the third meeting is on Saturday, January the 18th, 12 noon to 2 p.m. And I thank you for being with us on the broadcast today. The closing comment, you get the final say-so. Uh, much love to everyone who is listening. Uh, I want you to... Find out who you are. Uh, Henry Louis Gates has a uh, show on, on the public broadcast called Finding Your Roots. I think all of us should find our roots. It's not a monetary thing. It's something to give you a historical sense of who you are. Yes. And pride in who you are. Well, I'd like thank to. Thank you very much. I'd like to invite you to join us. We will be at the Haley Brown uh, Theater. Uh, in Aid, Oklahoma, at East Central University on February the 20th. And our guest speaker is going to be Cheryl Brown Henderson. She is the daughter of Mr. Brown, Brown versus the Board of Education. And she is going to talk to us about the impact of what her father did there in Kansas in the mid-50s.
Lord. Are we proud to give you worship, Lord? 